0: Hello, welcome to the show. We have today with us Dr. Paul Kyer. Dr. Paul is a human movement scientist and researcher. He is recognized for his expertise and impactful contributions to the fields of sports medicine, quality of care to patients returning back to work, and musculoskeletal health. He has an extensive publication record and a long standing affiliation with the Amsterdam University Medical Center. He continues to advance our understanding of human movement and its implications for health and rehabilitation. I am your host, Aditi, and even though you cannot see or hear her, we are joined by our producer, Anjali Joshi. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming here and giving us your time.
1: Thank you, Aditi. It's an honor for me to be interviewed by you.
0: (laughs) I'm glad you think so. And I hope you feel the same way by the end of this show.
1: Well, (laughs) we'll see.
0: (laughs) We'll see. So Dr. Kair or Paul, We do research into every sort of new guest that we are speaking to, right? And uh, you have a very interesting personal and professional journey. Can you tell us how you transitioned into sports medicine and ergonomics from being a human movement scientist? And borrowing your language from the last conversation that we have, what makes you tick?
1: (laughs) Thank you very much, Aditi. Well, what makes me tick? That's quite a fundamental question. So I'll start with the first one. Well, I was always curious in uh, people moving, in uh, sports, daily life. And uh, uh, the son of my neighbor, he studied the human movement sciences in uh, Amsterdam, in the Netherlands. I had, I had never heard of that academic study. So um, I went to visit it and I was grasped by the, uh, by the topics they addressed. You know, it's not about only about uh, anatomy, physiology biomechanics but also how we uh, cognitively learn movements and perform movements so that's why i choose human movement science and while doing that i had a major in health sciences and a professor uh, did uh, reported about a very nice study about waste collectors and i was totally intrigued by that well when can you say work is too hard for people or uh, uh, when is it very dangerous for you during my study i was also working for uh to earn a part of my living and of course i only did jobs uh, that involved my hands and feet Mm -hmm. and i was always quite surprised that you entered at what kind of work uh, whomsoever, and people thought well you can directly perform that kind of work Mm -hmm. and i always looked at other workers how they did things more smartly than i did so that's got my interest in the human uh, movement sciences related to work and uh, prevention of uh, work-related musculoskeletal complaints mm-hmm. and i also heard a talk about a sports medicine specialist yeah. and he uh, had performed a study among professional football players and he categorized uh, all the injuries and he reported the return to uh, play and there was a large variability among those uh, professional uh, football players, despite the same uh, injury, uh, you know, there could be weeks or months between uh, football players with the same injury before they return to play. Mm-hmm. So that was another topic that I thought, well, very interesting, you know, they probably receive the same care, but for return to play, the outcome is very different. So those, those, these two topics prevention, how can you perform uh, manually work in a more smarter way and what can we do for people who are injured and in my case i was more interested in work uh, so what can we do to support return to work among people with uh, musculoskeletal uh, injuries or disorders yeah. is that an answer to your question
0: yeah it does and also i'm uh, observing uh, that when it comes to elite athletes a lot of care is given on how they can perform At their best when they have to return to play but in workers it's okay your fracture is healed you may go back Uh, there is not a lot of focus on how can you perform a certain movement optimally and so I think that's where your specialization lies is how can we look at that and how can we solve that for daily workers am I getting that right
1: yes so uh, I think as a doctor or as another uh, kind of health professional, we should be more interested if it's regarding return to work. What is your work exactly? What kind of tasks or activities uh, do you do? And do you see uh, hindrances for some tasks? Then we should focus on these tasks and uh, find out how we, how we can support you to return to these more demanding activities. And of course, for uh, an elite athlete, it's very clear for the uh, treating physicians or other health professionals, what the job is about. And I think for workers, we do do not know. Even if they got the same profession, it can be performed in very uh, different ways. So, yeah.
0: Okay. So you had a very interesting analogy uh, when you were talking about the same thing last time. Uh, I think our listeners will really enjoy that same analogy. Do you want to walk us through it?
1: Yeah, one, two, three. Uh, We like to do the from Ferrari to Fiat principle. You know, Ferrari, the Formula 1 cars, they put a lot of research in it, how the cars can uh, perform better. And hopefully also, well, in my normal car, let's say it's a Fiat, I hope these uh, developments also end in my Fiat so I have a better driving car, drive more safely and more comfortably. So that's what we try to call it, from Ferrari to Fiat. And we at the Amsterdam UMC are one of the 11 Uh, IOC Centra, uh, accredited by the International Olympic Committee on uh, Sport Science. So I got a lot of people here who do research and also clinical care for elite athletes. And of course, it's, you know, there are only a few elite athletes, but of course, the knowledge we gain to uh, return those elite athletes, uh, return to sport or to prevent uh, injuries We like to uh, use the same methodology or same principles for uh, the ordinary workers, you know, a construction worker, for instance. Yeah. Yeah. The Ferrari to Fiat, or from Ferrari Ferrari to Fiat. Fiat. How would you say? From Ferrari to Fiat?
0: From Ferrari to Fiat. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the analogy we use. Yeah. And we also use it in teaching for our medical students, you know. Uh, I'm coordinator of a course on elite Mm -hmm. sports and the the role of the physicians and of course they are interested in elite athletes and less interested in the ordinary guy or girl but uh, then we can tell well those same principles are very useful for the ordinary workers if I may say so.
0: Yeah absolutely and just to sort of put a global lens onto this as well uh, in India we have a big community or a big population of migrant workers, they travel from one state to another, and basically their job is to lift heavy objects and do a lot of construction work in order to build buildings. And Of course, uh, the principles are slightly different because of the way society is constructed in both these places, but uh, there is no sort of how can you perform this work optimally here as well so i think it's a very uh, it's a much needed analogy it's a much needed uh, principle and it can do a lot of good if we apply it to or if we give it in the right hands Um, what are some effective strategies that medical specialists can implement in order to bridge the gap between the hospital and the workforce and enhance work participation among patients with musculoskeletal disorders
1: yes uh... Well, of course, I only, <laughs> I can't give you the final answer, yeah. but uh, I can give you my view. Of course, it begins with thinking has the disease or the treatment uh, is the clinical outcome is not always a good proxy for return to work. So it starts with, well, the care we give might be good from a clinical perspective. Eh? Uh, we can cure the disease or we can uh, cure some symptoms. But that's not the same as uh, contributing to return to work. So just like in sports medicine, does this care we are given also contribute to work participation or in sports to sports participation? So that's the first thing you have to ask. And the second thing you have to ask, uh, discuss with your patient, just like my former answer. uh, How does the disease uh, limit you in your work performance and focus Mm -hmm. on that topic? So what we try to do in rehabilitation. It's from uh, pediatrics because kids, all kinds of different uh, activities they like to perform. So discuss with your patients what is the goal you like to achieve. And you formulate it in an activity form. Well, I have to walk up and down stairs and I like to do uh, at least uh, 90 steps and now I can do only do 60. Dear doctor, dear health professional, help me to gain the next 30 steps so I can do 90 steps instead of uh, the 60 steps. What should I do? What can you contribute to the 90 steps I like to perform without taking a break or taking a pause? So that's one thing to start with. And a second thing is I think, uh, yeah, discuss with the patient and maybe also with the other professionals involved. Once in a while, you know, it's much more easy, just like I'm talking to you right now in India, how we all can contribute to that same goal. So everyone knows well this patient. He likes to perform that goal. What can I contribute from my point of view or from my expertise to that specific uh, goal? So the patient is in charge. Uh, we all contribute to the goal the patient wants to achieve. And maybe more important for uh, return to work, expectations are very important.
0: Right. If
1: people got very, they've uh, got good expectations of returning <laughs> to work. Then it's a good proxy for people actually go to work. So
0: that was going to be my follow-up question. Like you said that if someone wants to go from 60 steps to 90 steps, when they were able to perform 90 steps before, we have a return to care plan for them. But what if somebody wants to go from 90 to 120? That's a little bit of an unrealistic expectation right there.
1: Yeah, maybe Uh, we learned from a study we did with people who got an artificial knee. We performed goal attainment scaling and uh, we, th- we set the goals a bit higher, but not too high. But after three months and after six months, we learned most people overscored their uh, goal. So really? me, yeah, so for the case of uh, workers who receive an artificial knee, even we thought, well, we, we, we set the aim quite high people overshoot that aim. So maybe we are also still too, how do I say, reluctant, or, uh, well, people can more than we, uh, at least we had expected. So we uh, aim too low. That's what we learned from uh, that rehabilitation That's really inspiring. Yes, so maybe we can do more, yeah, for that case. uh, Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay, amazing. Uh, I want to take a slight tangent here. um, Speaking of papers that you've published recently, Uh, You've recently published a paper with Dr. Burt, Dr. Bart, and Yosman titled, did I get that right? (laughs) Yeah,
1: you did it perfectly, yes.
0: (laughs) Titled, A First Step Towards a Framework for Interventions of Individual Working Practice to Prevent Work-Related Musculoskeletal Disorders, a Scoping Review. Yes. Take a break. Take a breather. So, I've had a lot of conversations around return-to-work practices, and this is the first time that I've come across the need for an individual working practice. Why is it important to view work from the lens of IWB?
1: Sorry, last uh, sentence?
0: Why is it important to view work from the framework of an individual working practice?
1: Well, we thought, well, nothing as practical as a good theory. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That was a starter. uh, you know, individual worker, we all advise employees and you know, musculoskeletal disorders is a very important topic in occupational health. Uh, we advise people about uh, motoric skills, uh, rest breaks, adjust your working environment, use tools. And there wasn't a framework which captures all those individual working practices, what a, a worker might or could do. So we thought, well, uh, there are a lot of studies performed, but quite a similar framework, it's not there. And if we uh, like to evolve and make progress, we thought, well, it would be important if we all could use the same framework, could use the same language. So then we know, well, in the IWP Individual Work Practice, I'm focusing on motoric skills for that kind of disorder. These type of interventions do work, and these type of interventions don't work. And now, in our opinion, it was a it's a great black uh, black box. And maybe if we can come up with uh, similar concepts of concepts we agree upon, and also use these concepts in our daily practice and also in uh, studying them, we can uh, move forward without being a black box and you sometimes you grab something out of it, it might work or not work. So I thought we could progress on that. And that's why Bert is also coming to India to Primus. Of course, we did a systematic review. Now he's doing a second round uh, Delphi study and uh, we're aiming at a round table uh, discussion. So if people are interested in the framework and got experience from a science point of view or a practitioner point of view, please join us at this round table so we could also make it uh, your our framework is that a nice answer or what do you think
0: that is a nice answer i was going to ask you more about the framework Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about um, i know that there are eight steps to it and we don't necessarily have to go through them all um sort of what do you think are the important factors that we should keep in mind if there are maybe two or three that you want to talk about
1: yeah, of course, uh, of course, you know, the, the I have room. the
0: animation that you oh. shared
1: with me. Oh, are you going to yeah. share it?
0: Yes. <laughs> there we go. Can we see it?
1: Yes, it will. It comes, I think. Yep. Whoa, great. Well, based on the literature, we, uh, we, with, uh, we were looking for studies who try to reduce the physical workload. So it's only from a physical workload reduction uh, perspective to prevent work-related uh, musculoskeletal disorders. And uh, we organized the interventions in these eight categories. So the intervention was professional uh, manners, you know. If you have to lift a very large, heavy object, maybe ask a co-worker. Uh, to help you out, uh, professional skills. Well, if you're a professional, how can you cut or do other kinds of stuff? Uh, do you do it in the really uh, most professional and most uh, smart way? Of course, variation eh? uh, When this interview is finished, I'm going to have a walk and get a cup of coffee here eh? mm-hmm. to uh, change between sitting and uh, walking. Yeah. Of course, the use of aids. Exercising it, eh? be more healthy, workplace adjustments, motoric skills, why do I do everything with my right hand? Can I also do something with my left hand? And of course, task content and task organization, what are your working hours? So we think of, we hope, if we try to assess what Are these the main intervention categories. And next on, we like to see how can we implement these uh, interventions and moreover, are these interventions belonging to these eight categories? Are they effective in reducing physical risk factors and thereby uh, reducing the risk of work-related MSDs? So, but this is hopefully a framework we all can relate to. Yeah. But uh, again, second round, Delphi study is coming up and we're looking forward to have the round table uh, at Primus.
0: Same here, I'm looking forward to what the results show. Yeah. And I'll be at the roundtable. Great,
1: great you shared the picture. A friend of mine made it. He's a, he, uh, Graphic
0: designer?
1: He's a, yeah, he's a comic. He makes makes comics. Yes. So. Yes.
0: I have another one of your comics here. Uh, Return to Work. The BAAS comic. Back at work after surgery. comic.
1: Yes. Oh. Yes.
0: That was a really good one too.
1: Okay. Are you going to share it or not?
0: Do you want to talk about it?
1: Uh, whatever you like. (laughs) You're in the lead, Aditi. We can also pause it, follow your scheme.
0: This takes us back to the return to work care plan that we were talking about earlier. Um, And I thought it was a very useful and obviously as a non-medical, but interested in medicine uh, enthusiast slash marketing professional, I thought this was a great way to communicate to um, people like me. Uh, about why it is so important to have a care plan once you're going through surgery, once you've gone through
1: surgery. Yeah, it it relates to my former answers. So here you see our care plan for return to work after people have received an artificial knee. Mm -hmm. And you know, uh, Bert is coming, but also Daniel Strijbos Who's the researcher on this study is also coming to India, so he will be very glad that also his comic is in the uh, <laughs> is in this oh, talk. Oh,
0: wonderful!
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> covered the whole spectrum of people. You covered in the rivers. whole spectrum. Uh, amazing.
1: <laughs> yes, and I don't have to answer a difficult question. Why is my comic not in the uh, interview with Aditi? You saved my life, Aditi. Well. <laughs> But here the comic is uh, you know, you go to the orthopedic surgeon and together you decide, well, an artificial knee uh, might be appropriate. Then you go to the occupational assessor or to the occupational physician. And already before surgery, they try to uh, assess what kind of uh, hindering factors are in your work present that might prevent return to work. And can we already address that at this moment? Maybe how do you go back and forth from work? Are there some uh, tasks and activities you can't perform? Already in the hospital, there's a physiotherapist who performs goal attainment scaling. So she or he discusses with you uh, what's your activity goal you like to uh, achieve, the 60 and the 90 steps we were talking about. From another study, we know that uh, the workers are very fond of the sensor, you know, so they can see their progress in daily activities. You know, you get operated, and for return to work, it can it's take It's a up wearable
0: def- device. Yeah,
1: it's a wearable okay. device, very easy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, you can see that, well, maybe for return to work, it can take up for more than six months, and maybe you get frustrated. But then you can see, well, I managed to increase all my uh, physical activities. And as said, at least at week six and maybe more often, Mm -hmm. all the involved professionals have a discussion with the patient and with each other, whether the current care contributes to the activity goal the patient wants to uh, achieve. And then hopefully uh, we have a happy end uh, uh, that the patient or the worker is back at work and can do what he or she likes Mm -hmm. to do in a timely manner and also hopefully in a sustainable manner. Yeah.
0: wonderful. And a lot of care is given to ensure that um, the worker thrives versus the worker just performs daily activities. And I think that's yes. a very important distinction to make, um, which leads me to my next question. A lot of people, uh, I mean, one thing is that you have an injury and then you have a back to care plan for it. But then the other side of it is how do we prevent such an injury from happening, which is... Yes which is to say that, ergonomically speaking, uh, what are some easy hacks that people like me, uh, like you can do every day to improve our quality of life and to improve uh, optimum? I keep using the word optimum, but how do we ensure that daily work is performed in a way that's not harming
1: us? Phew, that's a very good question. And you hear me sigh. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think I've got a twofold perspective. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's from my point of view. I've got an easy job. I've got uh, a good job. I've got uh, time. So, uh, yeah, for me, it's easy to say. Try to have an active lifestyle outside work. eh? So, yeah, but I'm fortunate, you know, I can cycle back and forth to the hospital I've got time off, I've got decent working hours, you know, but, you know, performing physical work is something else than uh, being physical active in daily life. So, uh, that's what we learn too. Being physical active in work is often not good for your health, but being physically active outside of work is uh, often a good for work, the physical activity paradox. And moreover, I think it's, yeah, yeah what would you say i hope you got an employer or you got colleagues to see or you got health care maybe you can pick out one point you know don't focus on everything maybe you can pick out one point but you say well can we address this topic together and can we find a solution regarding uh, prevention but i know that's very difficult you know you've got to have a very supportive environment your boss your co-workers there has to be money there has to be time you have to be sure that if you address this topic you won't get kicked out so from my perspective it's very easy to address that but i can think that in the in real life it's very hard so what i believe in and also in the netherlands uh, we got the stick and the carrot Mm -hmm. unfortunately even in the netherlands also with uh, very uh, highly esteemed employers They also need now and then uh, not only the carrot, but also uh, the stick to improve uh, the working quality. I started with the professor for the waste collectors, Mm -hmm. you know, that has improved a lot in uh, the last 30 years in the Netherlands, you know, from uh, iron, uh, cleaning uh, iron, I don't know, waste uh, baskets that had to be cleaned. Now I bring my own uh, waste at the end of the street, there's mm-hmm. an underground storage system. I have to pay 50 cents. Mm-hmm. Then I can put in one bag. I have to close. So, uh, you know. Uh, so the I need do for the work. worker
0: who is lifting the heavy There's basket. No more worker.
1: Every, every citizen, of, at least eliminated. in my uh, village, you bring your own garbage to a uh, central collection point, mm-hmm. And then it's, uh, you know. Uh, machinery or mechanically and automated it's uh, emptied so no more uh, heavy work for the waste collectors but also in the netherlands regarding uh, the baggage handlers for all the aeroplanes in 30 years that hasn't improved so uh, and i think one of the differences is that in waste collection there was a very firm uh, labor inspectorate you know mm-hmm. with the pointing finger the and also uh, with the stick and also with the, the financial incentives and I think that made a difference for, and of course they developed uh, healthy guidelines. So what's healthy for a waste collector to do during an eight hour uh, working day. So the combination of clear health guidelines specific for the job, and uh, and of course, uh, or unfortunately also a labor inspectorate, uh, an inspectorate that performs the Unfortunately work. for yeah, some, unfortunately for many yeah. others. Yeah.
0: But you bring up a very interesting point is that uh, there is only so much that an individual can do ergonomically uh, that is within their sort of, that is within their control, because a lot of this also falls within community care, within public health, uh, within how an organization is set up. So keeping all of those sort of different layers in mind, it can be hard for just one individual to, they can only do so much essentially. So that is a very interesting point that you bring up.
1: Yeah, so I always think, well don't blame the worker you know it's always easy you lift wrong or you do this wrong or etc etc you're not being uh, active outside your work you know a lot of people are exhausted they're yeah. glad they don't have to do something else outside of work so no i think uh, if we want to make progress the community approach is very important yeah Definitely. so the uh, the surroundings colleagues the environment only by changing that i think we can make progress and we can't you Know an individual for an individual worker, it's very hard to do, so yeah,
0: that's a very good point. Um, so what are you moving away from this? Um, even though I do want to like dig deeper into this, but keeping time in mind, I think let's go away from this a little bit. Um, sure. what is your current focus of research? I want to talk about that a little bit.
1: Oh, the current focus is uh, I uh I like to incorporate. Both prevention mm-hmm. at work, and of course uh, work-directed care—you know—is the care we are providing really aimed at the work participation? That's my main topic, especially for people in uh, heavy jobs. So just like the comic, I hope we can make a multidisciplinary guideline supported by all the health professionals involved. Mm-hmm. That also involve what can we do about prevention at work? How can work? or the community contribute to uh, work participation, prevention and return to work. And uh, well, I was interested in knee uh, osteoarthritis, but I hope this might be a blueprint that's also useful for other musculoskeletal uh, disorders. So hopefully uh, before I retire, there will be a multidisciplinary guideline addressing both prevention And of course, also uh, better care for work participation. And also, you know, for lifestyle factors, you know, uh, for osteoarthritis, you have to be more active. You have to eat healthy, maybe lose weight. I think work, you know, most people are eight hours a day at work. I think uh, the workplace is an excellent point of uh, interventions to support from the community perspective. And you don't feel, you know, you can do something with your colleagues. Let's have a walk. I keep yeah, moving no
0: around because you said variation and now I'm like, okay, keep variation. Yeah,
1: keep variation. <laughs> <indeed>. <laughs> so that's my main focus. And hopefully that uh, blueprint uh, works for knee osteoarthritis and hopefully it inspires people or maybe it doesn't work. Then we know, uh, well, Paul, you thought that was a good idea, but the data say, no, we have to come up with something else, something better. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but it's going to get you somewhere. Even if you get that, that's it. Yeah,
1: that's also good. You know, well, with at least Paul Kaya thought it was a good idea, but no.
0: Okay.
1: It was a bad idea.
0: Are you going to be touching upon any of these elements in either your keynote speech or in your roundtable?
1: Sure. Yes. I promise, uh, Aditi. <laughs> 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 and then I'll keep my mouth shut. <laughs>
0: All right. So um, one last question and then we come to a close. Um What is the one advice you have for other people who are starting out as researchers in ergonomics across the world?
1: Yes, I thought about that question. eh? I'll uh, pick my paper. And I, uh, yes, I thought about it. Uh, But I think find a stimulating mentor. That's uh, one thing that is very important. If you do something or you're starting to do something, find a mentor who's very stimulating, who's easy to get access to, and who buys you now and then coffee or what else? That's uh, my main advice. So, find a mentor. I had a couple during my career. So, uh, that helped. And of course, uh, referring to your first word, what makes your heart tick? Find a topic that makes your heart tick a little bit faster. Oh,
0: what a beautiful answer. I'm sure <laughs> listeners are going to get a model. I
1: prepared the answer, Aditi. Huh? You know. <laughs>
0: I, I've said it before, uh, I'm not sure if I want all of our listeners listening into this, but I think so far amongst the people that I've talked to, you're the most poetic uh, keynote speaker that we've got. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what kind of sense do you mean by, oh, with the words like, the, yeah. your heart heartache, yes. But from I think, Ferrari well, uh, to Fiat. Yeah, yeah I think so If you that's want important. a bit of
0: poetry, uh, yeah. come to Paul's keynote.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like, uh, you know. Of course english is not my uh, language but i think words do matter
0: absolutely i got
1: a small anecdote people who return to work sooner after an artificial knee we asked them what helped you most to return to work sooner than other people and people who said uh, my orthopedic surgeon he was very positive about returning to work so they even rated the words of the orthopedic surgeon higher than that they said well my orthopedic surgeon did a good job so even so in a lot of jobs and even for orthopedic surgeons i always tell them your words are even more important than uh, what your hands uh, do so be aware of that yeah and make use of it yeah
0: yeah i think that's very yeah, I'm, I'm moved uh, and I think our listeners are going to get a lot out of this. I know that for me, every time I go to an appointment, uh, how the doctor um, sort of presents himself and the way he talks to me. Uh, I already, if, if the doctor is friendly and, you know, he's very positive, I already feel 50% better when I'm out of the yeah. office. So I think that makes a huge impact
1: yeah. and uh,
0: we come to a close. Uh, thank you so much, Paul, for joining us today. Yes. Uh, and I look forward to seeing you in Bangalore in September
1: yeah same to you aditi thank you very much
0: thank you for having
1: me bye bye
0: bye